0: Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to civic engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinThegov.com or visiting this episode's description.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: Hey guys, popping in with a reminder to sign up for the GovHub newsletter. This weekly pop of politics is designed to share action items, resources, and quick links to specific engagement tools and topics directly to your inbox. Save it, share it, and sign up for a pinch of productive politics today by going to girlinthegov.com or visiting this episode's description.
2: Welcome to Girl on the Gov, the podcast, breaking down politics as we know it and removing all the bullshit. (laughs) Because politics needed a (laughs) rebrand.
3: All righty, well... Welcome back Welcome
2: to back. another episode of Girl and the Gov the podcast. Are you sick of your family yet? Are you home? Are, or are you quarantining because mm. you have Omicron? How do we how do we say it? Do we know? Honestly, like Greek, it's literally Greek to me. I've just been calling. Wait, it tell me why. Omi? I like Omi, but tell me why I said like a few weekends ago. I said like Omnicron or something. And this guy, at, we were out at a bar, and he goes, it's Omicron. I'm like, how do you even know that? He goes, because he was in a fraternity. I'm like, that fucking makes sense.
3: Wait, but like, okay, maybe like I am so off here, but like Lafayette, we did not have a single frat or srot that was like Omicron, delta four. I've never like, heard that in a frat I've never heard of a, a frat with that in it.
2: He said he had to learn like the whole Greek Alphabet or whatever the hell it is as a frat star. Wow, so
3: <laughs> Wow! interesting hazing something. they got going
2: on over there.
3: All right. I mean, at least Perhaps. that's educational hazing, I guess.
2: I was oh, like, this is can the smartest thing here, you've but... ever said. This is the smartest thing you've ever said, but it's really scary that, of course, it comes from your time yep. as a frat yep. star. But that's that I on can't. that. So everyone stay safe out there. Samantha, are you, you're awaiting your results, correct? I am I am and
3: my parents are literally about to kill me they're like so can we come pick you up can we come pick you up can we come pick you up and I'm like I don't know yet can we slow the roll here like not trying to get you guys sick like I don't think I'm sick like I don't have any like symptoms like I haven't been exposed to anyone but I'm just trying to be like safe given just how you've been exposed
2: to the entire entire city of New York yeah (laughs) so like literally
3: going like every which way like I'm just like all right like there's just no way there's no way I haven't been exposed in some capacity in my opinion I can't believe how many people
2: have it there like it's
3: It's crazy I'm not even there
2: and I feel it I feel well the COVID also because
3: everything is like Closed. Like, literally, I just mm-hmm. went out, like, before to, like, grab a coffee and grab, like, breakfast and whatever. And, like, there are all these, like, cute little bars near me and whatever. And, like, all of them are closed either for, like, the next week or they're closed through New Year's. Like, they have signs on the doors that are, like... And I've gotten notifications from places that I usually, like, frequent, whatever. And they're, like, sorry, like, taking precaution. I mean, the NHL is, like, also doing, like, a, a little mini yeah. break, too, and whatever. So, like, no, it's, definitely it's totally, be, like, like,
2: March 2020 vibes, for sure. It is. It really but is. Regardless, Fauci says it's here forever. So we have to find a way to live with it anyways. And so I'm just saying maybe Omi is the, the way we do that.
3: You know, I really hope so. I love the positive spirits. I love the (laughs) vibes. Uh, But I will say, speaking of vibes and holidays, I need to share one little mini story. AK, if this does not show how little social interaction I have had in trying to wait for these results, (laughs) is you know why I couldn't fall asleep? Why? Like, because literally. The Hanukkah prayer was stuck in my head. I am the least <laughs> religious person you'll ever meet. I don't know shit. I've never been mitzvahed, matzvahed, whatever. And I literally have to an Avicii beat in my head. Bro, Atoy anoy malheinu melcholam. Like, to the point where I'm like, mom and dad, like, if you're listening, be proud. I don't know what I did to remember this for once in my life. But after Hanukkah, nonetheless, not really sure why. And... In an Avicii beat. Okay. So, and I'm tone deaf, so we obviously do not want me singing that. But. I, um, I thought
2: that was beautiful. What do you mean?
3: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm hoping to get a record deal. So if you're like ever like, oh my God, Hanukkah. this podcast duo is no longer together. It's because Sammy pursued her Hanukkah prayer rap hey, and EDM career. Fuck a Christmas
2: album. Yep. Get me a Hanukkah album by Samantha Cantor immediately. <laughs> I
3: mean, honestly, love Mariah Carey's, like, yeah, songs like, and all, her, but, like, but, like, I'm a like, little eh. tired of them. It's, like,
2: eh. Some so. also housekeeping items that we should go over. We want to shout out that we have a spring internship opening. If you are in college and taking an internship, internship class and need class credit for an internship, Hit us up, go to girlonthegov.com slash careers and read the job description, see if it's a good fit for you. All the details on how to apply are there. But hopefully we'll be hearing from you. We would love we would love to chat. Or if you know this role isn't quite the moment for you, sign up for our brand ambassador program. Details are also on our website, so go check that out. And then yeah. another housekeeping item because we're just on a fucking oh roll. Maddie's on a roll. Oh my Merch is relaunching today. So, if you didn't get merch when we had our little limited edition campaign going on, it is live again for you to just go and gift yourself all the things for the holidays. You deserve it. Maybe there's a maybe there's an item, you know, you didn't get and you wanted, you know, you saw it on somebody else and you're like, that one's cute too. Go get her. Go get her. She's waiting totally. for you.
3: And you know what I always think about like with shopping, I have this rule and which is funny that i have any coming from a shopaholic but like if i see something and i like it but i'm like you know what i'm not either i'm not sure or i'm like you know what like i shouldn't spend the money like in this moment whatever if i'm still thinking about it like the next day Mm -hmm. or like a week later i'm like permission
2: granted go get that she's been sleeping since we a nice nap since the campaign speaking you can nap in these sweatshirts oh my god they're so comfy Mm -hmm. they're very comfy they're very soft and they're very fucking cute so go get yours and again you deserve it for the holidays gift yourself something Ooh. and
3: i have one little asterisk to this too for all of our amazing listeners that have also ordered are wearing their merch around town continue posting it sharing it send us an email
2: send us a dm you know we would absolutely love honestly and if you just want to send us and you don't want us to post and you don't want it to be posted. We still just want to see you in the merch. So just send us a yeah, picture of you in the merch it. for our own happiness. Those are the housekeeping items. <laughs> but I think we should get into our interview because, again, she's a long one, but she is a fucking good one. So I'm so excited. So excited. We will introduce
3: said guest conversation. And it's with Tatenda, who is the CEO and founder of the Voter Formation Project which is dedicated to increasing participation in local, state, and national elections through digital communication, experimentation, and knowledge sharing. So, like, if you think that we had all something in common, you thought right. Like, you you want it. So, nonetheless, this conversation is a great time, one you guys will all learn a lot from, and one that we will definitely be having follow-up to. So, if you have any questions as to how this whole world works... Hit us up. We, we got answers for days, conversations for a million moments and more. But without further ado, here is Tenda.
1: So Voter Formation Project is a 501c3, which means it is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization that is designed to use digital marketing strategies so think social media ads, influencers, content that we regularly engage with in order to encourage more people of color to vote across the country so we are interested in using digital marketing to reach people of color who either have never voted before and need to register or people we consider low turnout which means people who do not vote frequently so maybe you vote in a presidential election here or there maybe you try your best to vote in every presidential election yeah you probably aren't making it to a local election so we're trying to make it so that we are increasing participation among these people
2: that's amazing well tell us about like this founding story like what was really the catalyst for for starting this
1: it's funny i get asked this a lot and some days i'm like i don't know how i got here i i truly don't <laughs> um, true. i feel you true. <laughs> i fully I, feel you. I started my career probably about 12 years ago um Bopping around from job to job, but always was at the intersection of politics, communications and technology. So I have worked at nonprofit organizations doing their social media. I've worked for a number of consultancies, either running ads programs or building public affairs campaigns on digital. I've worked at tech companies. where I was a sales associate, or a salesperson. But I I would say the most formative time in my career is when I went to work at Facebook. So I was a client solutions manager for politics, which if you follow the news at all, or at least did from 2016 on, you would might have heard of this team that Facebook had embeds and the Trump campaign used them Well, everyone had them because I was one for the <laughs> Democratic side. And so in that job, I got to see a lot of, if not a lot, all of the major political ad buys that happened on Facebook, especially for registration and mobilization. And I started to get a bit frustrated that they tended to kind of look the same. I didn't see a lot of experimentation. The audiences tended to be very similar. And a lot of what was happening wasn't matching what my colleagues in the the private for-profit sector were doing, especially in terms of like best practices for marketing for larger companies, Think, you know large department stores, auto, consumer packaged goods. And so it, it, it seemed weird to me that we weren't taking some of these lessons and applying them to politics in the nonprofit sector. So I left in 2019 and went to an organization called Acronym in order to run all of their C3 programming, again, nonpartisan programming that was reaching people of color across eight states and really got to build that program from the ground up. So taking all of these ideas that I had had, years about what I wanted to see and what kind of content that we could use and and building different kinds of content that looked like stuff people would want to see in their feeds anyway and applying that and came out with a lot of learnings but realized there was so much work that could be done within an an individual organization so I decided to start voter formation project in order to do that. I think my dog wow. is about to start barking. So I apologize in advance. I think there's a squirrel. <laughs> I love
2: outside. how you can like, you can feel it. I know. That. I, know exactly I can see what him like, you're like right here. I see those ears perking up. I know mm-hmm. exactly what you're thinking. Don't do it.
3: Oh my gosh. No, we welcome pets at all times on this show. Oh, nice. <laughs> but pets aside, as much as I like could talk about it all day, thinking about your strategy and like actually creating content that people want to see and can relate to and actually feel like make sense to them. It's totally like our language. We definitely, you know, we're are speaking the same on that. And it's part of like sort of our mission too. So when we first connected, I was like, this is going to be such an interesting conversation already. We are off to the races on this for sure. But you talk about some of the lessons learned in other industries. Can you talk about some of what those are and how you've started to apply them for, you know, originally acronym, but also now, you know, this project itself
1: yeah so some of them are pretty like technical but i'll I'll do my best to break it down actually i think this audience may get it even better so <laughs> yeah. one thing that you don't see as much of in this world is remarketing and re- remarketing is the ability for an advertiser to continue to reach you with something you've already expressed interest in so at least for me i am like on Amazon or Nordstrom and I like put a pair of boots in my car it, it, they oh. don't leave me they haunt like you. they haunt you everywhere you go mm-hmm. they're like in your gmail they're yep. in your social media feed they're on CNN on right the CNN website. <laughs> <laughs> you're like they're everywhere <laughs> I'm still broke I still can't buy these like get right. at me <laughs> And and so they're there. And that is called remarketing, like broadly, right? It's the idea for an Mm -hmm. advertiser to continue to reach you. And it's hard to do that for a number of reasons in the space. But one of them is a lot of the existing um, websites or technologies that are used to register voters or to get people to commit to vote, just make it more difficult to have that capacity. So we ended up building our own tool that allowed us to do that kind of remarketing for people who say saw our ads and didn't go you know, start the registration process, we'd be like, Hey, keep, keep thinking about it. Voting's good. Voting's really good. Mm -hmm. And we tried not to be too explicit about it either. Right. So the messages didn't say like, you didn't fill out your form. You need to show up now. Like, no, but you just Mm -hmm. keep reminding people that like, this is something they thought about. So that's like one piece and that's getting harder because we all care a lot more about our privacy ironically because of what happened with Facebook in 2016. Um, always so ironic honestly. Yes but <laughs> at the same time that's still like something really valuable that can be taken. Another huge thing for us is that marketers talk to people for a long time and you may not be thinking about it when you're going about your life but I like to use Tide as the perfect example because I started noticing this once I learned about it but like a lot of us can rattle off our head that tide is the number one brand detergent it cleans the most things it's very white and like their eco-friendly version doesn't make you itchy and it's not because we all should know that tide is the best detergent in the country it's totally cool Mm -hmm. if you buy gain but they spend a lot of dollars putting tide in the tv shows you watch Buying billboards, mm. putting it in the magazines, letting you know yeah. that you know when there are natural disasters, they show up and they help wash mm. people's clothes. They have yeah. so many influencers, the cleaning influencers of the pandemic. I found myself buying Powder Tide, and I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> and it's because <laughs> the
2: of the easy... cleaning influencers. I mean, the fact that we we're even saying that is just... but
1: it's yes. such a thing. Oh. It it's is. such a thing. Like now, it's Clean yeah. and Go Clean Co. Love you guys. Like. Thank you for helping me clean my house and with Powder Tide. And like, so it's that kind of long-term marketing where you don't realize it, but these companies are building in these strategies where they are spending years yeah. in some instances talking to you or cars is like a perfect example. I like to use all the time marketers who or folks who do advertising for cars expect to talk to consumers for eight years before they make that purchase. Wow. So they are thinking from the time you're 13 ish, so let's put these cars in. Movies and TV shows, like things that teens are naturally consuming, but you're not ready to purchase a car. You don't have money to purchase a car in most cases, but you're thinking, they're thinking long term, like when that person gets to be in their 20s Mm. and needs a vehicle, like we want them to think Toyota or Ford or whoever. And so, Mm. but we don't do that work in the civic engagement space for politics. Most people Mm. or most campaigns have come to the space and said, I'm going to talk to you between September and November, and that is the best way for me to get you to vote because, for a variety of reasons, it's proven to be cost efficient, um, especially in terms of like whether people talk to you via the mail or online or in mm-hmm. person. And I just cannot believe that politics is such a singularly unique area that no. marketing psychology cannot apply, especially yeah. when we're in this environment where we have so many fractured places of information we have so much disinformation and misinformation that's just around people and so why is it that we're not thinking about what kind of long term campaigns that we can run what types yeah. of, of messages and advertisements that aren't boring that aren't like annoying campaign messages with like the American flag and then the candidate and then them kissing babies and then their kids like we don't need that what we need yeah. are more types of advertisements that's speak to people where they are that include things they're interested in that also mention that voting is good it can change you know your your community it can in some instances change the outcomes of your life I'd like to use if you look at what happened with the senate this year we would not have gotten more stimmy checks if we had had a different outcome right and like while I'm very angry about like college debt <laughs> but like you, you know there are some different things that like outcomes yeah. matter and it can change the trajectory of your life if not forever but at totally. least in the short term so we need to start having that kind of discourse online and that kind of ever-present mm-hmm. messaging because if you already don't think the system works or you don't want to take the time to participate in the system I'm not going to it in 30 days I'm not going to mention 60 days
2: totally.
1: but yeah. maybe if we do this for a longer period of time and maybe if you keep getting more examples and starting to have conversations about it because you're seeing this annoying ad that kind of doesn't leave you alone, <laughs> maybe that will begin to shift more attitudes. So that's one of the things that we're banking yeah. on and trying to measure.
2: A thousand, yeah. Like, percent. why do we know what the number one cleaning detergent is, and we're we're not also knowing that voting is central? Well, guys, I have right.
3: a total confession, and this is just because I used to work <laughs> in PR, so like this like just hits me like so right in the core is my favorite game to play while watching whether it's tv show or a movie is find the brand placement and i'm impossible to (laughs) watch anything with because i'll be like literally like say it's tired like tied there they are again tied like i am so annoying I also know how much like the brand pays or like has in the past it is i'm such a nerd for this it is unreal but like it is so true like it is a fun game it's so it's Especially, let me tell you, if you're watching something that, like, you were forced to watch, you're like, I can't, like, not my vibe, not my genre. And you want, but you need, you need to, like, to stay awake during, like, whatever you're trying to watch. Yeah. Let me tell you, you it is... a way to stay entertained. Highly recommend, 10 out of 10. But it, You gotta try this game. It's so good. Yeah. It's, you honestly, you can make it a drinking game, too. It's versatile. It's... <laughs> 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 it's got nice. a lot of legs. So, you know, that's one. But in terms of, like civics and platforms and like making it, you know, effective, especially in the long run. Are there any platforms you felt have been like the most effective? I know you worked for Facebook, like you were saying, but like, are there any where you feel like the long game really has started to succeed or any that you're like looking to really utilize
1: in this, you know, forward thinking approach? We are starting to measure stuff in 2022. So we've had so many exciting conversations about how we want to measure things. But I think the biggest lesson that we took from last time, or at least one of them, there's so many lessons that I call like the most important one. But one of the mm-hmm. big ones is it's not necessarily what platform works best, but what works best for who. So if we're trying to, for instance, to reach older African-American audiences, Facebook is actually it. Like mm-hmm. they love, in many cases, like the boring official looking creative, like it works really, really well with those audiences, oh, yeah. right? Totally. Like if it looks like a bill, they're gonna pay more attention and like that just is what it is. But if you're trying to reach folks who are under, I would say 35 Snapchat's also super effective in a place where CPMs, the cost of your ads are are relatively inexpensive compared to other platforms. If you're trying to maybe reach younger Latino audiences or even middle or middle, I don't want to say middle age, but like middle of the age demo, YouTube's super effective because Latinos tend to over index on time spent on YouTube. And so we want to spend a lot of time to investigate where is it that we should be placing our dollars during you know, what time period within an election cycle or, you know, what is the objective to figure out what works best for who and when, which is so much work. We're not going to uncover this in one cycle, but I'm excited to just start to begin to like crack the nut at where things um, can be most efficient. I'm really excited to figure out how we can work with TikTok and Snapchat more. I just, (laughs) I I find those platforms to be a bit more fun, a lot more irreverent. Like I'm willing to try just about anything to get folks to vote. I even like OnlyFans influencers done it. Like I'll try anything. Oh my God, Um, that's iconic. Wasn't nearly like smart. (laughs) Yeah, I'll try anything. It wasn't necessarily the the, the most efficient place for people to be thinking about voting at all. But again, like (laughs) I, you know what? (laughs) Is
2: that the one example also that like always blows my mind is we had someone on from Next Gen America and they went on on Hinge. (laughs) <laughs> and had their organizers on Hinge go through and, like, match with people and register them to vote on the app, which was just, like, always my favorite thing I have, I've like, ever heard of. I've worked with them But OnlyFans Influencers is so genius. I feel like maybe, like, target, like, male demographic, get your, like, OnlyFans Influencers
1: to push them to vote.
2: Yeah. Free content for, for your registration.
1: If anyone <laughs> so... out there is on OnlyFans <laughs> and would like to, like, bribe people for, like a fee for service includes a registration form my email address is to tend at go to <laughs> formation i
2: <laughs> am on the floor this is amazing i'm loving that idea definitely go after that well speaking of like kind of more ideas and just these programs like what is the plan what is the strategy moving into 2022 which is crucial
1: huge year we can't stop talking about it but what is your guys's plan Yeah, we are so excited. We want to start running program. When we say program, we mean advertisements and thinking about the content that we're building super early. So we are hoping to be live with a lot of our ad content and measurement um, programs, like the larger ones by spring of this year we're going to be doing a lot of I'm like trying not to use jargon a lot of testing to figure out what works best or like small optimizations we can make probably in the beginning of the year which is also really exciting so we can be most efficient closer to the election we are hoping to be running in 11 states but we know we're definitely going to be running in nevada arizona pennsylvania and georgia these are all okay. states with really different constituencies really different. Um, audiences that require different treatments about how it is that you talk to them about voting. So we're really hoping to uncover what messages resonate in terms of getting people to shift attitudes early. We're hoping to uncover what messages get people to actually submit a form, whether it be to register to vote or to make a plan to vote. We're really excited to do some long-term experimentation with digital video um, and influencers and figuring out how is it that we can leverage TikTok and Snap and these kinds of different platforms that have all of these different products? Like not just, you know, people looking through other folks' feed, but Snapchat has so many different options of where you can create content. So I'm really excited to to dig into the content creation piece. And I think I love some of that work the most. My brain is like really dual because I love the technical, like nitty gritty talk to me about like <laughs> your strategy for remarketing and what pixels you use. But I also... I'm just so enthralled by the stories and the art that you can tell, probably because I can't make it to save my life. I just consume it and I know what I like and I know what I don't like and how different people consume different things. And so often you'll find the thing that I I love the most can fail, right? So how is it that we are finding artists and finding storytellers and finding all these different folks who create things from the audiences we're trying to reach and being able to amplify that and test it? I'm just so, so excited to start to do that because creative review makes me so happy. I like, my team knows I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. Can't wait to see the deck. (laughs) I'm also like really jazzed about the whole dynamic of more user generated content. Like the things that I see Mm -hmm. on TikTok, I'm like, I tried to make a TikTok video. I have like one video on my TikTok of me doing like a dance challenge from 20 like pandemic. I was so bored out of my mind. And oh, like I, I was like, how do these people do this? This takes like forty five minutes. And I was sweating. It takes
2: so <laughs> sweating, sweating. All of mine are still in my drafts. You'll never ever see them. But um, I will no, pay. I will can't pay to believe see how long it takes to learn I can't believe how long it takes to learn like a ten second dance and the just physical strain that comes with it. But here we are. I mean the pandemic did wonders for TikTok, and now it's it's my whole life. It's how I spend half of my day. But we want to move into our I, I Have a Stupid Question segment, um, and we're going to kick it off with the question that is, what is a tech stack?
1: I have no idea what this is. Okay. Tech stack is one of those words that I feel is very San Francisco, Silicon Valley. I feel like, and I didn't know this word in my life on the East Coast or when I just solely worked on the East Coast, a tech stack is the amount of technological tools or software or programs that an organization uses to achieve an outcome. So like if I'm trying to like, not related to politics, that way it's something a little bit more normal. Again, let's use purchases. Like if you're going to make a purchase and you are dealing with a small retailer and they use Shopify and square and they have a CRM backend database that connects all of it to it so that they know it's you. Like that is a tech stack. That is the tech stack that they have to make sure that you can buy your products and they get their money. And ideally it ships to you in a decent enough time. So that's a tech stack.
2: You think I know that living in San Francisco and the dating pool that I live in, but I didn't know that. But now I can, I can definitely visualize. That might mean that
1: you're likes. like dating well, to be honest.
2: No. Honestly. Like you, <laughs>
1: well, you don't not. let them I'm talk not. about the tech stack. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, if I went on a date and anyone started talking about a tech stack, I would walk out, but <laughs> I'm not dating well to <laughs> question. Like, actually, hey, I was like, immediately, no. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not either. I was like, oh, no, she's not. Oh, it's okay. It's,
3: it's okay. okay. Well, you know what? Someone's going to go on dates with us, and we're going to be like, hey, by the way, do you know what a tech stack is? I know what a tech stack so, is. there you go. But
1: i had people like, reach out to me before because they are like, Oh, you worked at Facebook, can we talk to you about it? I'm like, I'm not here for that. Like that's LinkedIn.
2: I'm gonna be honestly too sorry, i just before we move on. I'm just gonna be so like keen if I ever hear a tech stock like in a bar or like anyone says it, I'm gonna be like, Shut.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I
2: know it <laughs> You know that also, oh, like sorry, this weekend, yeah. you're going to be question.
3: like, exactly that. Like, I already see it. I
2: know it. No, I'm going to literally <laughs> only be able to, like, I'm going to be listening in for a tech stack every, everywhere I go, honestly, now in the city. <laughs> oh my God,
3: I love it. Okay, next question. And that question is, what is a
1: media buy? A media buy is when an organization purchases ads from a vendor. And it can be any kind of vendor. So you could be buying your ads on social media, which is self-serve, which means that like, I literally have folks who... I used to do this myself, like purchase ads in the back end. Or you could be working with a company that has a salesperson who like will send you a thing called an insertion order and you fill out all the pieces and double check it three times to make sure you're not overspending your money and send it to them. And then they process it and your ads show up. But it is a way to purchase ads across any venue, actually. Media Buy applies to television, radio, online, any place that purchases it.
2: Well, next question, what qualifies as statistically significant in the digital media
1: landscape? Yeah, this is a spicy question, and I don't even think you guys knew that, like, you were walking into some spice. So (laughs) (laughs) statistically significant generally means that if something were to happen in the universe, so let's say, like, I'm trying to figure out if my program worked The treatment or the thing that I am doing, or in the case of Voter Formation Project, the ads or the media is more likely than chance at a specific level to have been caused, like someone's more likely to vote because of our program. So there are kind of three general levels in science of statistical significance. People can say it's 99% statistically significant, meaning that it is 99% likely that this program was the reason that someone voted. 95%? Is another one. So the confidence interval, a 95% confidence interval, we are 95% certain that someone voted because of this program. And then there's 90%. 99% is obviously more confident than 95, which is more confident than 90. At what level do you report your your findings? Some people will report 90. I've actually seen 80 in a report, and I was like, are you joking? Some people will <laughs> report 99, 95, right? We tend to put things at the 95, we'll say, if it's a 90% confidence interval, digital media measurements, really, really, really hard for a variety of reasons. So all this to say statistical significance means how likely is it, I'm trying not to use the word statistical or significant, and it's really hard. How, <laughs> <laughs> how likely is it, or how much are we saying that some, an event happened because of an intervention and not due to chance? I think I did that correctly.
2: (laughs) So what are the odds like someone bought those pair of boots because they just wanted to or because they saw it on the ad over over and over?
1: Right. Correct. Okay. Like if you're in the wild and someone purchased the ads, like if someone said there was an 80% confidence interval, I'm like, well, that doesn't say much, right? Like it's it's not that statistically significant at 80, like an 80% interval. But if you're saying 99%, like the ad treatment was probably effective. And Got I wouldn't it. have bought the boots otherwise were it not for the ad. Got it.
0: Nice. Interesting. I'm, like, now thinking about everything that I've recently
2: purchased. I'm, like. And basically, it's everything. It's a lot of ads. Everything.
3: But like, it's interesting because I definitely do feel, like, it's a multi-step thing. Like, kind of pulls in the remarketing concept. But I think of, like, recently, especially, I was, like, shopping for uh, a dress for, like, one of my friends' weddings. But I, like. Started searching, and then all of the ads started coming in and coming in and whatnot all over my like IG. And eventually, I bought one, and it like it took like me revisiting all of these different ads and some of the ones that I'd saved on IG a number of times before I committed. But at the end of the day, I did buy a dress from like a brand that ended up popping up on my ads. Like what they were serving
1: me was pretty accurate. For my taste. And marketers measure this. Totally. They measure the effectiveness of their programs. And what you're describing is called attribution. So multi-step attribution. Like, are you going to attribute the effectiveness of the last ad you clicked on? Or are you going to look at all the, like, there's so much in there, which I think it, like, satisfies my, like, science enough. Like, I don't want to ever be in a lab. But, like, I kind of love that, like, media is, like, my little lab of, like, oh, there's a lot of stuff to learn about how we do this. And by the way, next time Lulu's has a lot of bridesmaid dresses in every colour for every occasion. Noted. <laughs> I have <laughs> been in a number of weddings and I'm like, hi hey, Lulu's. I'm back. <laughs> Lulu's does, does well.
2: They always They have good go.
3: shoes too, I gotta say. Um, side note. Sorry, I'm really taking us on a tangent. Oh. But they've got great
1: shoes. I've never bought this. So this is,
2: this a, is. This is a Lulu's. Yeah, sponsored. Um, hashtag. Advertisement. Sponsor <laughs> us. Lulu's, I will moving... like do a
1: whole vertical video segment for you. Life <laughs> of the CEO.
2: Vertical Hi. video
1: only. Yes. <laughs> oh, my
2: God. Well, tying this back to, to like the political, electoral politics side of things, what is a voter mobilization campaign? What does this traditionally mean? What does this mean now in like this new digital media space and everything?
1: Great, love this. So voter mobilization campaigns are activities that a campaign or an organization will do in order to get voters to actually get to the polls. So there are multi-steps in campaigns. People will try and raise money they'll try and get people to support their candidate. They'll try and convince you their candidates the best. But voter mobilization happens towards the end of an election where the goal is to get you to the polls, nothing else. They need to get you to the polls because they know that you are probably gonna vote for their candidate. So in an electoral sense, voter mobilization campaigns usually are done through a variety of modes. So many of them, people will knock on doors, people will hold events, there will be mail outreach. So you'll see a lot more mail flyers telling you to vote on November 2nd or November 3rd or whatever day it might be that Tuesday. And then you have online ads that are trying to get you to, one, remember the day, (laughs) make a plan to vote and know the election. And the audiences for these campaigns vary based on the organization's goals. If if you're a candidate, you're only going to be talking to people who you know are going to vote for you. You're not trying to get the like maybes (laughs) to come out and definitely vote. You're going to spend your dollars on the people who you know support you. So that's like your Your people who are modeled to be your supporters, your volunteers, your donors, all those people, you're just telling them, vote, vote, vote. For many issue organizations, they're trying to get people to vote and remind them of the candidate that supports their issue. So if you are a women's health voter or a climate voter or a a justice voter, you'll have organizations saying, hey, this candidate supports choice or this candidate supports green energy, vote on November 2nd for so-and-so. In our case, we're just trying to get people who don't normally vote to vote. So we're just telling people how and when they can vote and encouraging them to sign up. That way they can get reminders when they want about their plan to vote. So lots of folks do it different ways. All these different methods cost different amounts of money, which can change how the calculus of how certain orgs do it or campaigns. But the goal of mobilization, or if you ever hear people say GOTV, get out the vote, is to just literally get people to vote, whether it be by mail in person however just go vote
3: go vote that's that's the ticket literally (laughs) that is the ticket Mm -hmm. but thinking of this like one other stripe one other like sort of level is we think about like culturally relevant brands and those brands being able to sort of push those messages out right we have like the i am a voter campaign we have i cannot even tell you how much vote merch i have from last year's campaign situation, those brands obviously pushed what I think of as like a culturally relevant brand. But like, what does that mean to you? What would you, if you were explaining it to sort of like anyone that might not know, like what does that really entail?
1: For me, cultural relevancy means reflecting the audiences that you are trying to reach in a way that feels very natural. So your content isn't standing out because it feels phony or it feels weird or it feels too formal. Like culturally relevant content I believe one reflects who you're trying to reach. So it either has the audiences in it or reflects big pieces of that culture so that someone can easily identify with that ad and say, oh, I see myself in that, right? Like, oh, this feels Mm -hmm. like something I would watch anyway. This speaks, you know, to my generation, right? Like if I were to try and make a culturally relevant ad right now for like, let's say the 18 to 20 year old voter and I had someone in there being like, your brows on fleek that's not working like you may think it's like culturally relevant because oh i'm mm-hmm. using slang and maybe i have a young person in there but it's not because no one says that anymore like you are seven years too late ish and like that's totally. not gonna make sense i've
2: seen some really bad ones yeah. right
1: it's not gonna make sense to that audience and so you have to make sure that whatever it is that you're doing that you're trying to make culturally relevant feels relevant like <laughs> truly feels some relevant really
2: bad vaccine ones
1: yeah and really bad
2: vaccination ones
1: I have like this huge belief that like if you're not going to hire people from those cultures or those age demos then just don't do it like a thousand percent like yeah (laughs) I mean it's insane I would rather like go find a 22 year old or like hire some 18 year old and explain things and get them to create the content or like them to supply the ideas or have your creative team sit down with them and let them tell you like straight up because like these young ones, I love them. No filter. Like, no, get them to tell you what to do, then to try and guess on your own. Like, I'm sorry, if you're trying to reach like the youngest generations, maybe JLo is not who you want. You know, I don't think <laughs> no. that's the person to convince them to get vaccinated. It, she's it, not it, our girl. No, it's not. She's like, not go get Zendaya, Zendaya, like, and Tom Hunt, like, mm-hmm. both of them. Super cute. Or like, both of them. I don't know, someone who is. Famous to that demo. I almost said Travis Scott and I was like, mm, not him. So
2: <laughs> Actually, like <laughs> run it back. <laughs> but moving forward to we want to learn a little bit about your expand the electorate program. Can you kind of give us the snapshot synopsis of like what this program is, like and really the like h- hypothesis behind it?
1: Yes. So in 2020 I ran a $12.5 million program that was in eight states. I used to be able to do this alphabetically. Let me see if I can remember. It was <laughs> Arizona, Georgia, Florida, North Michigan, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Texas. I was close to Texas, Wisconsin. And we targeted Latinas in some states, African Americans in some states, and both depending on the state. And the goal was to use and begin this experimentation for what digital ads work for whom in order to get more people to register to vote and ultimately vote. We also ran through the Georgia runoffs, which was like, (laughs) I just remember being so burned out and being like, I guess we're going to do this again. Like, (laughs) the whole time. Yeah, you're like, wait, (laughs) we're not done yet? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, oh, after like I got done celebrating in the streets, I'm in Washington, D.C. and I like legitimately like took bottles of champagne to the streets. no, actually, like. Yeah, come on back to the office. It's not over yet. Yeah, I was like, oh, guys, it's Monday. (laughs) Surprise, we're doing this again. (laughs) And, And so we're able to really start to build the foundations of the learnings that we had for the campaigns. And again, started to really untangle what platforms work for who, what types of messages work for who, what creative treatments, meaning like, overall voice worked for different demos and and it was just really exciting to begin to come out with like that many learnings and have the work just come to fruition and actually work out it was it was really great that's
3: awesome I just that like takes me back to like literally last year and I can't believe like that feels like forever ago to me it is so insane
2: but like it, seriously it was this year the runoff yeah. technically right
1: January oh it was because (laughs) it was January 5th because I woke up on January 6th and actually put real clothes and makeup on my body and poured myself some champagne and was like it's gonna be a great day (laughs) I also just got my Peloton the day before and I had waited nine nine weeks for this Peloton and it finally was in my house so I was like I'm gonna do my second ride and I get off my ride and my phone is just blowed up I'm like And then I hear all these sirens. I'm like, did someone get shot? And then I like looked and there was a whole insurrection (laughs) happening. Like my Mm. friends were like, you need to leave? Mm -hmm. So it was January. I think the election was January 5th. If I remember correctly, we got the results January 6th. And I was just sitting there like it's too late for me to leave. I live. Within a mile and a half of the capital, and like I don't want to leave my Peloton, so I guess I'm like hunkered in there. Like here we are.
2: You'd be like, I'm gonna be over here at Peloton while you guys figure that. out. I'm like out. Yeah, imagining no, like, like, you like running for
3: it, but like holding the Peloton, being like, I'm sorry, it's got to come with me. It's like
2: <laughs> I'll leave the dog. You don't understand. You don't understand. I've waited.
1: Uh, year for this moment to be done with elections. And I done ordered with that thing October 31st. And I don't know how many people were following me complaining on Twitter, but I got so many messages the day it arrived. Like I had no idea it would come. I'm so glad this has come to a close. Like people I didn't even know in real life were like, I've been following your Twitter story and I'm so glad you got your belladon. So the fact Wait, that like iconic. ride number two, I was just like on my little 45 minute job. Ja- and within that time they like broke into the Capitol. So I couldn't even like shower and be like oh I love my life now I was just like oh, fuck <laughs> like,
2: no it never ends that was quite the week you know it was just a casual it was a casual week I was just um, like
1: fuck it I guess we're doing this again and I just poured myself wine and yeah. sat on the couch like, like
2: just keep pouring the wine that's really the moral of all of these stories
1: yeah so put on a face mask champagne
2: bottles out no one's seeing you
1: <laughs> so great time
3: was, uh, oh we got you okay well circling back to sort of The program and the learnings here, I I think a lot of it, you know, so brings attention to some of the assumptions about voters and their behaviors and just looking at what you kind of learned from essentially the research you guys were doing. What did you find were some of the most core like assumptions that people had about voters? What were like some of the ones that were like totally off? What were some that were totally on? Like
1: you speak to that a little bit. Yeah, and I think, What made me excited about this work is that oftentimes in any kind of marketing or digital marketing particular scenario, people want to say, what's the best practice? Like, how do you do this? How, what is the best thing that I can do to have this outcome? And there had been a couple of very long held best practices for digital work for voter registration. One of them is that you had to run your campaigns a month before in order for them to have any kind of effectiveness. And another was that official looking creative is what worked best. And when I say official looking, like it looks like something that came from your government. You make it kind of ugly. You put a seal on it or something. It like looks like it came from the government to kind of scare you. And neither of these sat well with me. I was like, this is not how people use the internet, especially when you can opt out of viewing ads on the internet, right? Like you can't opt out of receiving a piece of mail. You can't opt, well, you kind of can with TVs now and like DVRs, but like for the most part, you can't opt out of like, a radio ad or you can't opt out of a TV ad, but you certainly can a digital ad. So I was like, this doesn't make sense to me that like we're saying that for all the different people and all their different experiences and all the choices they can make that like these are the things that work best. And we disprove that. Like, do we have a best practice? No, but what we are able to say is that we strongly believe that there are certain best practices for different audiences. And there are certain commonalities that are held. But for instance, official-looking creative, I was hoping it proved it didn't work because I hate it. I think it's so ugly, like it's boring to make. I, I'm not enthused by it. But it does work for some people. <laughs> it works for older folks, particularly older African-American women. That's who we saw have the most impacts of getting them to fill out a form. It does not work on Snapchat. Like you, It literally did not deliver. Like <laughs> It did not go. <laughs> and so we have to then think like, okay, who are these audiences that are there and who's not consuming it? Another one that we actually just recently were like almost counteracted ourselves is so in 2020, we saw that on Facebook and mostly the older audiences, the official looking creative worked best, but the more culturally relevant content did not work as best. And we did not see that happening this year in 2021. So we used to think of Facebook itself as the workhorse for getting the forms back, but we actually saw Instagram and our culturally relevant content doing much, much better than the official looking Mm -hmm. content, which was like so dope to see. Cause again, I hate official looking content. So I was like, so excited. We get to spend more time with that. Another one I would say is that a lot of folks would say, oh, people don't fill out forms on YouTube. That's not true. People on YouTube are big bullshit callers and they're not just gonna like willy nilly give their information because it's harder because you're trying to get someone to click away from watching their video. But if your video is good enough and resonates with an audience, you can get very, very, very low cost form completions on YouTube. And we saw that happen. We had a woman who became like our in-house influencer. She was super young and was like, Hey, I got an idea. I want to make these TikTok style videos. And I was like, yeah, here's so many go. And she made these amazing videos and like they performed better than anything we'd ever seen on YouTube. Like we went from 300 cost per form completion to under 30 because she would just make these awesome videos, like literally with a phone and an extra microphone and like some editing which was great and so those were like kind of my favorite learnings right like the ones that are a bit more dynamic that make you question your thinking because the thing I love about digital is there's no right answers for forever everything's changing there's always going to be a new platform you're thinking about a new platform to learn about and so we can't just say like oh we know it all or oh digital doesn't work that's not true like the way you did digital might not work but that doesn't mean that like There are not different ways and different strategies that we can engage these audiences, especially the digital natives, in a way that will help us have a more equitable and just democracy.
3: Totally, and I, I think it is like really interesting to think about the future and more digital platforms and like what's to come. Like I feel like I'm always like, huh, like what's next? Like I did, you know, TikTok is like still—it's not new to us anymore, but like I feel like was new like two years ago for like anyone that wasn't Gen Z, like curious what is ahead. But regardless, organizations are still like really trying to catch up and figure out like, what the hell do I do with this technology? What do I try and use to make work for us and our messaging? Like for any of like the organizations or nonprofits out there, do you have any like sort of I hate to say blanket advice, but I think that kind of, you know, covers covers the bed, if you will in terms of where we're going with this question is, what would you say is like a great starting spot for some of these organizations of getting their message out?
2: Yeah, I was even to add to that, like, especially like in the lens of next year, there's so many hurdles for Democrats going into next year, voter suppression being one of them. Like, what are, what is like the blanket advice for tools messaging all the things for organizations, campaigns?
1: I would say two things. One is understand your audience, right? (laughs) I think for any organization, it can get really overwhelming really quickly to think about like the broad stuff out there that you could purchase, or, you know, things that you could even do online, whether it's ads, whether it's text, whether it's email, etc. So it's really important to know specifically, who is my audience? What am I trying to get them to do? And then do a little bit of research to figure out where they are, because it doesn't make sense for every organization, especially a cash-strapped organization to be on every platform, it doesn't. So if you're if you're going to be on a platform, it needs to be a strategic decision to say, I am on this platform to reach these people and get them to do X, right? So like, for instance, like we actually don't use Twitter as like an outreach mode for many of our audiences. Like my organization is on Twitter because we are want to be thought leaders and we have a lot of snarky things to say And it's a fun (laughs) platform, and that is a way that we can reach other leaders and be involved in the conversation about voting rights with the other folks who are in it, right? Like, but we're not, like, trying to use it to get normal people to, like, engage. Like, that's not where people have those conversations, right? Or participate in cultural conversations. But, you know, we are building out our content and our ad streams on Instagram and Facebook, and snap and like trying to think through okay like we're going to have these like this content that we're going to create for ads like we should actually use it organically but like we're on those purposes those platforms more for the purposes of program later on so that our page looks like it's like a real organization when people like go to it and see what we're about so every decision that you make in terms of your tools and in terms of your platforms needs to be deliberate and it needs to have a purpose and a goal and if it doesn't have one don't do it you're wasting your time and your money I would say the next piece for messaging, um, I guess it also comes down to your audiences. But more broadly, we have just seen that our audiences of color really resonate with information on messaging. Time and time again, it has proven to be some of the most effective for getting people to engage with our content and to ultimately fill out their forms because there's just so much confusion. And I think it's very easy for people who have been lifelong voters or people who come from homes with a lot of privilege where, like, you've seen people voting, you you are financially well off etc to not realize just how hard it can be to vote like it is different when you move it's different in every state sometimes it's different by county sometimes you can't make the time to vote you're worried if your ballot will get there on time like it's just really fucking confusing and even having to learn all the different rules by state i was just like oh yeah this is a nightmare and so understanding that and beginning to have empathy and thinking about how can i break this Mm -hmm. down for folks because many people will say i want to vote i just don't know how I don't know what I'm doing. Where do I go? A thousand, so like for us, right. like the ads that were like, hey, click here. We can help you make a plan to vote. How would you like to vote? By mail? In person? Here are the times available where you are. And giving people that information is, is I think, always a great place to start. And it's pretty non-controversial. And it, it's yeah. always additive. I
3: totally. love all this advice. It's also important. And I something that resonates with me is especially the idea of not being on every platform if it doesn't serve you. And like for us, like we were on Twitter for a little bit and we were like, this doesn't work for our brand. Like it just wasn't attracting. Like, you know, we also kept forgetting that we even had one, which is a huge side side problem. Like we have literally like, Oh wait, shit, we have a Twitter. We should probably check that. But for sort of ending notes and all of that good stuff, how can people work with you? How can people find you guys? Give us like the plug of everything, social media, website,
1: yeah, if you broadly uh, just want to totally get in touch, times. you can re- reach us at www.voterformationproject.org. There's a contact us. I promise you, someone actually checks it. Although depending on when this drops, like we vacation, like we take time off, so like we're not in the office like next week. <laughs> it's like, actually, year. don't call me. Yeah. <laughs> <between these dates. laughs> um, so, but I will say we do check it regularly, and I have been connected with many folks through there too. We are on Twitter and active on Twitter and Instagram, so you can just re- reach us at Voter Formation on both platforms. You can reach me at Tatenda, T-A-T-E-N-D-A, Cheryl, Cheryl, Um, Spoiler alert, I tweet about like voting rights and Bravo. So if you think you are just going to get a stream of like content I mean, about like a voting.
2: combo. It's mostly- Like those are two of my favorite things. Reality
1: television, especially Bravo, and at uh, this season, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Because I'm
2: Voting obsessed. and reality TV. Those are my two love languages. Yes, this is like-
1: <laughs> Why, my like Fun we fact: I was in season three, Candace's first episode. I am in the background, and we are going back. And watch. <laughs> like what? this is my fun fact. I like season oh three. I think it's like episode five when they introduce Candace. They go to a yoga studio, and that is me in the back. Like crying not to die of laughter and like also just like pretending that's so
2: iconic did (laughs) that just randomly happen to you
1: yeah like I don't want to give away all their secrets but I uh, was a yoga teacher for several years in DC and this studio that I taught at had the opportunity to be on the show and so I like told my boss that my other drop was like hey I can come to work I need need to to go film housewives and she just looked at me and was like this is your dream come true. I understand this about you like though. <laughs> oh, like
3: <laughs> Oh my god, I'm obsessed. That's the best thing I've ever heard. Oh my god. I'm like That's fangirling
2: like times 10 right now, so it's fine. But alas. Oh, thank you. We have a we have a real housewives star on our hands everybody. It's fine. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. This has been such an insightful conversation in a, an area we have not gone yet, but it's so crucial. Um, again, going into next year. So thank you for coming on and sharing everything and answering all of our questions. We really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast.
2: Well, let's get into our top stories of the week because there is a big one, the one, that we have been talking about for months. And we're going to continue to talk about which is Build Back Better because last week we had some disappointing news come come through. Um, and that is that that Democrats are struggling to pick up the pieces after the new, honestly, cock block Senator Joe Manchin effectively crushed President Joe Biden's big domestic policy bill, Build Back Better. So they are really facing serious questions whether this $2 trillion initiative can be refashioned to like, win his very crucial vote or the party will be just sitting in this pretty devastating defeat. Because it's probably their biggest legislative priority for the year, especially moving into next year with the midterms. Like they kind of need this W, so it's not looking yeah. good. But good old Chuck
3: Schumer vowed on Monday that the chamber would vote early in the new year on Biden's good old build work better. I don't know why, but like I just really feel like it needs like a cowboy type accent. But look, that's a personal problem. But anyways, as it now stands, is sort of like how he wants everyone to vote on it because he has this strategy that he wants every senator to have the opportunity to make their position known on the senate floor not just so on television which is referring to mansion's little fit on tv on sunday <laughs> oh, we gotta love a tantrum we do love a tantrum honestly look they do entertain so i can't fully complain but biden and mansion spoke later sunday after the tantrum according to a person familiar with the call first reported by politico our pals there so it was cordial and respectful which, like, makes me feel like it was not, but whatever. But the conservative West Virginia Democrat and his party are super far apart on this. His relationships are super bruised, a.k.a. hello, Biden, and this little moment of shame here. Mm-hmm. And it's unclear if they'll even get back to the negotiating table, let alone revive this 2,100-page social services and climate
2: change Do you bill. think Joe Manchin read all 2,100 pages?
3: One, no bloody way. <laughs> Two, and I want to really drive this home for... Every motherfucker in office and the government as a whole, but I have opened this bill. I have not read the whole thing, but where I'm going with this is if anyone, and I'm sure someone printed this motherfucker, it does not need to be 2,100 pages. This thing is so poorly indented spaced, and the wrong fonts used. It is taking up so much unnecessary freaking paper and ink. I... I have never been more annoyed. You're a, you're a true, that's not true climate warrior. <laughs> I got them now. Lord. I got them on the printed paper and the yep, fucking phone. You got them. But seriously. But it also honestly goes to show, to our point that we're always driving home, that politics is made so inaccessible. And I'm like looking at this thing, I'm reading through it. And I'm like, this
2: is confusing jargon AF. I think Ben Sheehan said it best when he basically... Explained how the constitution isn't actually like written in English. Legal jargon, just like policy jargon, is not regular English for us regular folks to fully understand. But moving forward, the next steps again are remaining highly uncertain for the president and his party. A potential new deadline for Biden and Democrats. Coming with the expiration of an expanded child tax credit that has been sending up to three hundred dollars monthly directly to millions of families' bank accounts, and if Congress fails to act on this, the money won't arrive in January, which it's it's very needed at this moment. So, and Joe Manchin's constituents are a constituency who will be benefit like who will benefit the most from some of the, these proposals, yeah. which is just really disappointing. And I just want to also shout out. Ilhan Omar, for reposting our story and following us on Instagram, just big moment for us. Just really fangirling. We it's, might have screamed like haven't and like the best. Haven't why. stopped fangirling since. But she posted a tweet where she was talking about how Joe Manchin is like a cold tycoon and just this is the reason he's not backing this bill, which is what we talked about last week. If you go to OpenSecrets.org and see the industries that fund him, it is those who will not benefit from a climate bill. So, you know, we we reposted her tweet and said, "Oh my God, we've been saying this. Thank you for saying it." And she reposted. <laughs> we okay, that had us in tears of joy. But
3: I do want to give a little hint to what's to come. We usually don't pre-announce guests. And I won't fully do it on this because we like there to be a surprise. That's our strategy. It's not everyone's, but it's ours. Um, we do have an amazing guest coming on from Open Secrets mm. in the next month or oh. so. So get excited. We're be all the Get really tea. excited. They're the Dumois
2: of the politics. politics.
3: Like, I really... And if they ever have an influencer event, I really hope we're there. <laughs>
2: but... Because Dumois just had one. I'm just I saying. I don't see Open Secrets Anyways. holding an influencer event, but... Can you actually, the concept of that is hilarious. (laughs) We will be hosting influencer events. We'll be the only probably political institution, organization ever to host an influencer event. So stay tuned in 2022 for that. If you're an influencer, hit us up. But another just moment regarding Joe Manchin, regarding Build Back Better, regarding the White House, was this interview that Kamala Harris, well, Charlemagne the God interviewed. Kamala Harris. So go to our mm-hmm. TikTok and watch like the kind of fiery, heated moment of it, like the real moment. It's on TikTok because it is spicy. It really is. But basically what happened was Vice President Kamala Harris got into a very testy exchange with uh, media host Charlamagne the God on Friday. Um, she was defending President Joe Biden from questions over roadblocks to build back better. And... Kamala, like sat for a taped interview with Charlemagne airing Friday night on Comedy Central, where she like was kind of supposed to come on and talk about the infrastructure package and some of the Biden White House successes so far. And basically Charlemagne the God just like literally did not hold back and was like, just repeatedly was pressing Kamala about, the inaction on Biden's part of, like, basically all his, like, campaign promises that have not even been been brought to the conversation, as well as asking the question of, who is the real president of the United States, Joe Manchin or Joe Biden? <laughs> and Kamala <comma laughs> just about went the fuck off. But, like, not before there was this, like, weird exchange where, like, her press secretary was interrupting and trying to, like, just stop the interview and it's all caught on tape. Again, go to TikTok to watch it. But after like this weird like exchange, like seemed like a technical difficulty slash her press secretary being like trying to end the interview, Charlie the God was like, oh, they're acting like they can't hear me. They're acting like they can't hear me because he kept asking who's the real president, Joe Manchin or Joe Biden. And she just came in hot and was like, no, no, no. Started yelling at him. Again, I can't I can't be the one to ex- to explain. Yeah. The drama here I, you, you really have, have to, to go see it, see it yourself. It. Yeah. And
3: like yeah. I think like also like if anyone wants to sign into our DMs after this and chat about it, like we are more than happy because like we are we're here for it. This is so this was such a wild little press moment. But I will say that I do feel badly that like of the timing of this for Kamala specifically because there's been so much negative press coming out of her office based on her staffers leaving and weird environments and other staffers being like, no, we love it here. And just some like, and then her also kind of not being present. And I definitely feel that. I definitely feel like there's strategy there where I'm like, where the, do we have a VP? Like, what the hell?
2: Well, that's the thing with like a VP that sucks is like, I feel like they are so much in the background. And when they do have their like press moments, they're so polished and so like, yeah scripted and just like not real and then when kamala kind of went off like that and like she then she's kind of spewed off some of like the white house accomplishments so far and like basically standing up for the administration charlotte Bean came in he goes that kamala harris that's the one i like that's the one i'd like to see out here more often in these streets which is so true that's like we, i voted she was for. such a bad like that's yeah that's like she's such like a me. totally like she's such a badass like when she was in the senate she was just one of those who, like, literally took no bullshit. And she's just really been kind of gone yeah. lately. And, like, that side of her has been, like, muted and kind of, like, pushed down. So I like that he, like, raised that point. I mean, it was just, like, a, I think it was, like, an important moment. Because, like, they're both on the same side. Yeah. And I think it just needed to happen from, like, somebody who is, like, Charlemagne the God is, like, definitely progressive. and But he's, like, you're still able to, like, call out people. your own side yeah. and be like yeah come on pick it up and I and I know?
3: agree and I like who knows what's like going on internally there and I have a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts and theories and whatever but like like that is like the comma that we voted for that we wanted that we were like whoa what a powerhouse yeah. and it's like it makes you wonder like what is going on internally there that has created almost like a different version at least publicly of her yeah and I think whatever it is it's kind of a damn shame because she yeah. has been this amazing like vocal in the past yeah. like vocal
2: powerhouse, and you think back on like all the v p s you have, and they're usually like just like some old white man like just kind of in the background yeah. who like has moments here and there, but it's like, kamala, you are not a traditional v p like come out and like get some shit done, you know, also she's like the swing she's the vote in the Senate now still, so she has so much power like she should still be like doing her. Doing her thing, yeah. like she shouldn't fall back into this like traditional role and expectation of the VP. Anything, I feel like she, she should come the through
3: piece of like the administration, what they're trying to do, in being totally. like, forceful. Because like Biden has the reputation of, although he has some great quips every once in a while, and, like now it's this cute dog PR moment. Like he is known as like Sleepy Joe. So like, give yeah, him, I'm not I think a lot of people voted for like,
2: them because of her, a
3: thousand percent,
2: or were excited about that ticket because when she came onto it.
3: I could not have been so. more self-included
2: on that. You know, really. and
3: like, did we know I was going to obviously vote for them, not Trump and Doug? But, like, you know what I mean? It made me like, yeah, okay, you know what? I. It did made everyone Biden a little bit shit, more excited like, totally. and hopeful. Because I feel like so many yeah. people, especially the youth vote, because are young and fun, like, didn't want Biden. Like Biden They needed the antithesis select. of Biden. Totally. And they did a good job there. But now, like, on this execution of, like, their relationship and, Whatever dynamic's there, it's like it's weird, and i I'm uh, mm,
2: mm, mm. I know, I just feel like she's fallen into like this traditional VP role, and it's just not for her, and she I don't see why she can't break that, yeah, and break maybe this rules. interview this be can off. be the start
3: yeah,
2: like shout out Charlemagne, honestly, like maybe this can be the start of her kind of coming through and getting some more shit done because we miss her. We miss the Kamala that we know and love, and yeah. That was our top story of the week. Um, We'd give you more because but we
3: we know as entertaining.
2: We know it's a long that, a long I episode. When we, we know our voices probably get old after after an hour, so we try to keep it below an hour. But I know today, so an exception. So you know what? It's a top story moment. But before we go, reminder: internship for the spring. If you're in college, go check it out. Go check out the job description. If it's not a good fit or you're not in college, but you still want to be a part of our team, our brand, Brand Ambassador Program, go check it out. Go sign up. All on the website, on girlinthegov.com. And merch is live, baby. So go get your second round of merch.
3: And I have one final capstone on this bad boy. And that Let's is hear it. that Spotify just launched ranking for, uh, <gasps> for podcasts, yeah. which means you don't just have to rate review us on Apple. You can also do that on Spotify which obviously Thank helps God. us and if you want to help us help you and etc cetera, etc cetera, just hit us with those five stars and I'm not talking about like a five star like on someone's back like five star like review thanks just clarification in case anyone's confused that is now available so for all of our Spotify listeners Hop on over there. Do the damn thing. Leave
2: us a review. Please. If you, you know, like this podcast and listen to it, I feel like you should leave a review and rate us just to, you know, help out. (laughs) But we'll love you regardless. But that's it for this week. Have a very happy holiday. Enjoy your time off. Enjoy your time with your family. Be safe. And we'll be talking to you all next Wednesday.